compromise Unity, one accord, don't exist, you and me I thought we were friends too All that we had been through I fought to the end too I took all the scars You are now listening to Liberation. I'm your host, LaCroix Hatcher. And what you have just heard is a sample of Christian rapper, singer, producer, Kay Sade. In this episode, Kay will talk about the origins of her faith, her recording career, and her inspirations. Please partner technical difficulties of the first 15 minutes of the show. Please enjoy. Okay, Liberation family, I have um, with me today a... Um, someone that's setting her own uh, path in this world. Uh, she's a singer, rapper, uh, engineer, producer. Uh, she has the whole realm covered. Uh, we have Kay Sade with us today. Uh, how are you this evening? I'm good. How are you? I'm all right. I'm all right. Um, first and foremost, I got to say um, thank you. Um, years back, um, when I first got on Twitter, I learned about the brothers from Wilson Road because of you. Um, I think you guys may have had some interactions back and forth. And kind of because of that, I started watching their program uh, and built a decent friendship with uh, Javier and uh, Stephen Ozan, who I've had on the show. Uh, but let's get into your story. Let's get into your story. Uh, Kay, where are you from? Uh, yeah, so I grew up in central New Jersey. Um, but I was born in Virginia at Hampton Roads. Um, so I wasn't down there very long. I was just born there. And, uh, my parents brought me up to New Jersey, and that's where I was raised. Um, I'm back here now, but I went to school in D.C. for a year and a half. And then I finished up college in Nashville, Tennessee. So kind of been all over the place um, in the 20s. But yeah, mainly New Jersey. Okay. And um, I'm going to start out pretty much like I start out with every other person. Uh, where did your path to your faith begin um, in a congregation you go to? So right now we're going to a congregation in Montclair. Um, just started going there, um, I think like halfway into the pandemic. But I actually grew up going to a Baptist church when I was a kid, maybe from age like seven to 14, 15, something like that. Um, so yeah, my mom, uh, my mom and dad are divorced. Uh, so my mom raised me until uh, I was 15, and my dad raised me until I finished college. Um, so until I was like 15, yeah, I was going to a Baptist church. Um, ended up having a room with my dad, and, and he and my stepmom actually um, are members of the Church of Christ. Um, and they, they used to live in New Jersey, but they went so to another state. But that was kind of how I got introduced to the church. Um, so kind of had a background of, you know, going to uh, youth group and 
Bible school and stuff like that in the Baptist church. Um, just more like a, more like a daycare type thing. You know, my mom could drop me off there and know it was a safe place for me to be. Um, and I learned about the Bible and, you know, the things she said taught me um, and then stuff, uh, I guess, that I heard and, like, the kids who were stuff like that. But, um, yeah, when I, when I first went to the service of the Church of Christ in Trenton, which is where we were going, I was like, that's it, that everyone was reading the Bible, and they were fact-checking what was being said in the sermon, and um, it was really, like, um, not, you know, not an ego thing. It was, we want to make sure what we're teaching is correct. If there's something that you hear, you know, in line with what you read, you have your own Bible, come see me after the sermon, we can talk. Like, it was that kind of open, uh, open invitation to actually discuss scripture. Uh, not a concert, which is what the Baptist church I was going to felt like. They had like choirs and guitar solos, and drum solos, and all that type of stuff. Um, yeah, when we were going to uh, church in Trenton, the first thing I picked up on was that they didn't have instruments. And I was like, like this is so boring. <laughs> you know, and registering in my head that, wait, there are also people in here who love music just as much as I do. There must be something too that, that they're willing to put aside, something that they like um, in the name of worshiping God, you know, the way that they think it says He wants to be worshiped. Um, so that that's one thing that caught me attention, like just the selflessness and um, really wanting to stick to like what was written. So that's kind of my journey. And I uh, I got baptized when I was uh, right before I turned 17. Oh, okay. okay. Like six days before. So, was that like culture shock, if you will? Um, like you already mentioned, it, it, it sucked. It's a little boring. Um, well, no, now actually, I can't believe that I thought that. Like now, it's, it's amazing. Like I miss, I miss being in the building with it. I mean, in Nashville, there were like five or six hundred people in the congregation I was going to in college, and uh, just hearing, like, hearing all those voices, man, it's, it's incredible. I mean, even when we go down, it's only maybe like 50 or 20 people, and it's still, I can't believe I ever, you know, thought that, I mean, it, there's there's something um, that can be harmonious, uh, even in a congregation where you don't have any quote unquote great singers. Uh, but when the voices come together and it's um, for a unified purpose, there is a certain uh, magic that comes out of that. So we'll cut to the chase. Uh, what were some of your influences uh, in your development as an artist? Um, you mean like overall or Christian? Overall. <laughs> oh boy, okay. It's gonna be a second. So, uh, my dad and mom used to play music in our apartment in East Orange where we used to live at um, before we moved to Sunny Jersey. So, it was like every weekend when they were home, I was hearing Anita Baker and Tony Braxton, um, or they would have the TV on and I would be like Drive Ball Quest and, you know, music videos and, um, Tupac and TLC. I was in daycare during the day because they both work, so we had we had circle time and dance time and all that. So the, the ladies that were in the daycare center would turn on Michael Jackson and the Lightning Slide, like everything. Um, so I think just being 
kind of immersed in music. Nothing, I think, um, tops Lauren Hill in her prime. Uh, she's a personal favorite of my, uh, being my wife. Um, and also the fact that she was able to uh, take claim of everything that she did as far as musical input, uh, lyricism, singing. So, there, you know, there bears a lot of similarities uh, with yourself. Um what made you take the path to say, you know what, I don't need too much of these guys, guy producers and what they think and decide to take control of it yourself? Oh, boy, that's an interesting way to put it. Um, oh, um, okay. I think, so I didn't really start rapping on my own beats until, like, 2018. Um, I think I made one song that was back when I was in Midwest. And I produced it for like the Legacy Conference in Chicago, that Christian rap kind of contest they had done there in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Um, but I didn't really feel confident in my producing, um, at least as far as rap. Like I like I like writing little melodies that I think would go well in like a movie or like background music or something like that. But as far as rap, I've always struggled with uh, with drum production, like drum and uh, bass, pretty much the rhythm section. And so, I also didn't really have a lot of like support, um, and and doing it, it was kind of like, let's work with producers who know how to make good beats, that way we can just get songs out, and not like let's take time and 
I take time to develop and figure out what I'm doing wrong. I think that I kind of had that time since like 2018 until now to kind of figure out um, what works and what doesn't. And um, you can listen on my Spotify, like how my productions come from the first few songs I put up there to like the recent album, The True Facts. I can, I can hear a lot of improvement. So it wasn't so much like, I don't want to have to deal with the male producers and stuff like that. It was more like, I have a passion for music. I've done this my entire life and ensembles and studied all the instruments and stuff like that. Like, um, I want to just figure this out because of my love for music. And if I'm really like, if I'm really as dedicated to it, you know, as I say I am, then I need to apply these tutorials. Like I need to figure out um, how to produce. Um, and yeah, once I, um, I mean, I'm still, I'm still learning and still, you know, correcting stuff. And um, it's allowed me to make my own sound, I think, more than I would have been able to if I was just relying on beats from like a store. It's someone else's sound because the music is so much of so much of the song, like the producer making the beat, that's pretty much the song, you just add the words on top of it. So yeah, being able to make your own beats, I think that kind of, um, kind of stamps your, your name into the song a little more. Yeah. And, and you know, me personally, um, I always found that artists that, um, that were, and, and this may be odd, but artists that were more vested in themselves oftentimes made the best music like the aforementioned uh lauren hill um you can tell the difference as great like outcast as great as southern playlistic was the growth between their artistry from there to at aliens to equimini so forth and so on um they took you know, more pride into what they were doing. They could control the message a little bit more. They can um, experiment a little more. I mean, like you said, Tribe Called Quest, Q-Tip. Um, and you name it, I'm sure, that, I, I know they're not the only ones, but typically artists that also produce seem like they get more uh, quality work. Kanye, yes, it's crazy. <laughs> as crazy as Ye can be, that's his voice, that's his artistry, and you know, you can live and die with it. And you, you can take the take it or leave it approach. All right, so we're going to go back through your um, discography a little bit. Um, Out of the Blue, which also became the new Black. Um, you had the 2015 album Blue Jean Origins and Band Go and Ohana. Uh, not to be overly detailed but take me through some of the creative processes uh with those albums and, and how did the group how did first of all how did the group come about tell that story yeah that's an interesting story um so i posted a remix to a Nicki minaj song on, on thank you too and then i submitted it to rapzilla and they had rejected like all my stuff before that but somehow they liked the Nicki minaj remix they posted that and then um I think Keyshawn Furlough, I don't know if you, he, he's another artist that was in the CHA space. Um, he was on a... He 
was on Collision for a while. Collision, yeah. So I think he yeah, he heard that remix and he was at one point in a group with uh, New Origin. It's not the only Theo uh, Blue he goes by. But yeah, Keyshawn and New were in a duo, uh, like a duo together. Keyshawn was solo, I think. But he, um, I guess he sent my phone to New and New Origin reached out. He was like, hey, Sound or something like that, and he was thinking of starting like a trio, him, another rapper, and a producer. Um, and so I became a part of that. Um, and then right before we went public with the group, the producer dropped out, so it was just like him and I. But um, he actually, uh, it turns out that both Keyshawn and New were married to um, my friends that lived across the street from me, like one house across. We used to play with each other when we were growing up. Um, and so I was like wow this is weird like I hadn't talked to them in years like a decade Um, so I was like hmm this isn't a coincidence Um, but yeah that's pretty much how it started and you know we went until like 2018 and then um, that's when I kind of started kind of taking my own direction so you want to go through like the creation process or yeah, if you don't mind, because those those albums I thought were pretty dope. Um, even in the uh, Christian hip hop sphere, I found that you guys had something uh, different, as any uh, genre of rap females, of course, are the anomaly. Uh, so to hear you, AI the anomaly. Met, so <laughs> Sorry. To, so to find you guys, you know, with a completely abstract style. Um, mm-hmm. It was refreshing, no matter what classification of rap. So yeah, take us through that, um, the creation process between you two. All right, and sorry, that's just how my head works. Like these like, references stuff. Um, so for Blue Dream Origins, we, um, I believe we met up in Nashville for that. Um, they they knew somebody who like gave them a house. I think we were there for, I don't know if it was two days or what. I'm pretty sure we recorded that entire album in 24 hours, that entire mixtape, um, maybe two days. Wow. Wow. Uh, everything was written for the most part, but, you know, except the stuff that when we, so we wrote it separately and then they came to Nashville where I was and we went to where they were staying, set up the microphones, all that stuff. So everything was pretty much written, but we just worked out the kinks of you know, now being in person with each other, like, oh, this flows together, like this doesn't, let's just work these out really fast. But um yeah that uh that project was really fun to make we did some really cool uh, visuals i think with it um and then van gogh um actually you know what i think i'm mixing stuff up was van gogh recorded no van gogh we recorded in texas so for van gogh we all went um we were all in their house down in texas um new and his wife were in school there in abilene christian um and yeah i was i was probably there for like a week we had the minister at the congregation um they were attending come he actually sang on the end of i think he sang on the the song poetry and we had some of news friends come over uh, young lady um she was um awesome singer she sang on a few songs i think uh one of his guy friends came and sang on a song called ushago and yeah that was the most uh collaboration i had ever done um 
with just so many people involved and I got to sit there with my piano and yeah like sing it this way like sing these notes and then it would just start coming together and falling into place and we were like wow these songs are really nothing we've ever heard before um so yeah that was that was how Blue Jean Origins and um and Van Gogh happened and um a lot of stuff now is just through email and text and you know if you want to collab on a song someone just dms you and they send you a beat you send it back and then you're done but um yeah there was something fun about making those albums like in real space with real people yeah i think there's something lost um in music you know there's something lost when you're not collaborating in the same studio together um it just feels uh it just feels thrown together you know even with some of the um some of your dopest artists, it's mm-hmm. still not the same chemistry. Like there's, That's I'll right. reference, I'll reference back to Outkast. There's nothing that matches that chemistry. There's nothing that matches Fife and Q-Tip together. There's nothing that um, matches the energy of NWA. This, mm-hmm. Despite what you know, the lyrics and all that stuff, that energy and and, and everything they brought to it. When you have to email a beat and you don't really collaborate with one another, it's just, all right, who can write a hot 16? Let's put it on the hot beat. And it's like, okay, just it feels like it's a microwave effect. Yeah, and I think um totally agree. Like, you can, he- you can hear when someone's having fun when they're recording and when they're not. And it's like, when you got a room, two or three people just goofing around and making a fun song, like, that comes out in the way the mm-hmm. vocals are delivered and um talking about TLC a lot like you could just hear them laughing on the tracks and like um even then uh um, some of the R&B groups and stuff you can just tell there's a difference in I don't know if artists I don't know if like major artists still get in the studio together now I'm sure they do but uh, I don't know it just felt it felt like the music felt more of like a community um back then like you could tell it was all a collaborative effort like Mm -hmm. yeah and and then when you know as the phrase goes when the thirst is real y'all in the same room Mm -hmm. putting together uh, a creative thought process like my my favorite group outside of outcast was i can imagine nine ten guys in a room together but we're vibing doing what you do there's a certain synergy that comes about with that. Yeah. Uh, so that all now the can time, you, you can't you can't duplicate that. Can you imagine uh nine or ten guys emailing a song back and forth? Oh and, and you know no. what? um you know even in recent years, you know, referencing Wu Tang again where they say if hey, we weren't even in the same studio, uh Ghost was in Miami, Meth was in Atlanta, sending in beats, and it's just like, okay, the same feeling from their first solo albums and the and the, the 36 chambers and the double out energy is is lost it's yeah. still they're still good albums because they're just that talented but it's not the same yeah I agree. so what led you guys to go separate ways um a lot of a lot of small things um that we just uh we're going different ways on anyways. Um, we were both graduated from college um, at the same time, I think. And 
there was a lot of pressure. There was a lot of uncertainty about what we were going to do next. We had like student loans coming up. You know, you got six month grace period before you have to start paying back. So we both had to, you know, think about jobs. And I had to start working. I started working like a few months out of college. So, um, and then I got married. Um, I got married actually the the week before we did our last show together. Um, so we got married, went out to California for our honeymoon. While in California, we also did a show opening up for John Gibbs. Um, and then that was our last show. Um, after that, I think uh, we started having some creative differences and just like, I always say creative and strategic. It was like, you know, how we wanted to market ourselves or how we wanted to display um, each other as like, are we still a group or are we individual artists and a group like stuff like that? And so there was, there was just some, uh, I won't even say like disagreement. It was just like not seeing eye to eye on how to keep moving forward with stuff. Right. Um, and I think, I think both of us, um, uh, we talked not too long ago, um, maybe like last year or early this year. I can't remember when, but, um yeah we're we're, we're kind of on our right terms now but um, i think both of us just took what we can learn from the group and uh, theo still makes music i still make music and uh, i think we both still have that kind of unique uh like experimental quality and the stuff we're making on our own too yeah. yeah i actually just recently checked out one of his um videos a couple of days ago uh um, oh, cool it's it's I guess it's relatively old now, but you know, I I hadn't uh, followed his path in a while, so I checked out a video. Uh, it was referencing, um, basically, it was a song, you know, referencing what we're not going to do going into 2021. But that's neither here nor there. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah. So, uh, any plans on doing anything in the future, or you're off that boat for a while? Uh, you mean both of us? Or um, as a, nothing, as a duo. yeah, nothing, nothing in like uh, nothing in the near future. I don't think. Um, I don't know. We don't have any plans. We've never talked about doing anything together. But I mean, I wouldn't be opposed to it. Uh, he's like he's like the my favorite artist I've ever collabed with. Just on a like a skill level, he uh, I think he working with him pushed me lyrically more than like anyone else I've collabed with. Um, and then I think working with Drew, Drew Bex recently pushed me more like on a production, uh, uh, like in production terms than, than I was in the past. So yeah, I think um, if the opportunity came, I'd be down, but just nothing, nothing yet. How much in production did you contribute to uh, UFO? Oh, uh let me look because i have a i have a bad not short-term <laughs> memory but uh got spotify open right here so i got bad like middle ground memory like, i can remember like really stuff from a long time ago i can remember what i did an hour ago but i can't remember stuff from like a few weeks ago or a few months ago so let's see i produced the little opening thing um auto tenant Drew also produced on that one. Um, let's see. Race car and 
UFO tofu. So a good chunk. Good chunk of it. No, that was a dope album. I don't, I don't think I've ever listened to him before, and I think the only thing that oh, really? to it was, you know, um, yeah, true was awesome. Being, a, true being was a fan of your work, so I figured I'd give it a shot. Um, Thank you. So we skipped past the solo album, Meta. Um, oh, what yeah. was the thought process going into your solo album? Thought process there was just getting something done. Um, I. In the group, we were kind of perfectionists, and um, we we wouldn't put things out unless we were like 100% happy with them. Um, but working with myself, I didn't want to um, I didn't want to uh, focus too much on getting everything perfect when I knew my my skills aren't where I want them to be yet. Um, and so knowing that it's not going to be perfect. And if I wait for it, you know, to be perfect, I'm going to be waiting forever. So I need to just, you know, get songs out and make songs. So I started making singles. Um, and then I felt like I was kind of um, creeping up on my sound and like what I, what my, what my sound is. And I was like, okay, maybe I should try and make um, uh, an album that's not a cohesive, um, just so I can like get a clearer picture of who I am as a solo artist. Um, Cause I mean, even, even when I first started doing Christian rap, I, early on, I was working with heavy faith and doing like uh, YouTube collabs and stuff with him. So I never really paid a lot of attention to what I sounded like, like K Shade. So that was what Meta was about. It was, um, and then Meta being like really self-referential, um, like just the word, uh, the meaning of the word. So yeah, it was kind of me like reflecting on my sound, reflecting on myself, reflecting on everything I like, experienced as an artist um and then some family stuff like friends friendship stuff um i think uh i only produced a few songs on this on this album so i, I found beats that i thought represented um what i come from so if you notice like jewel is um sounds almost a little bit like out of the bluish um, yeah I can see and that. then yeah, and then uh, Meta, I produced that track. All the Scars, I produced that track. Broken, I produced those. So that was kind of like, here's what I want my sound to sound like. Um, not quite there yet, but here's what I'm going for. So, yeah, that was that was what Meta was about. It was just the project of me trying to um, like get something out there that's mine. and um, Something yours to throw out into the universe. Yeah. What what would um how do you feel the reception was to that album? Um, I mean for the ones that listen to it, they seem to enjoy it. Somebody even said it was like eight oh eight the heartbreaks, and then I was like I was like all <laughs> right, I'll take it, but that's kinda heavy. But um yeah, I mean I everybody that's listened to it, um, especially songs like All the Stars, like even recently I had someone telling me, um yeah, I think someone tweeted about it the other day. Um, a lot of people resonated with that with that song, All the Scars. Yeah. Um, and that was a really personal song. But yeah, even like Ocean and, and Meta, a lot of people like the the, uh, the chorus on Ocean and the production on Meta and stuff like that. So, I mean, it's not, it's not a huge project reception-wise, but for the ones that have listened, they seem to like it. And, um, 
I mean, that's cool with me. It's like, I don't listen to it, um, really, but I appreciate what I made um, in it and like where I've come from since then. Um, going going into that because um, I always once upon a time inspired to be a producer dibbled in into rap a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. When you when it's time for you to do a project, where do you find your voice? And when I say that, what part of your life or chapters of your life do you dig into to find certain inspirations? Mm-hmm. So. All right, so for meta, um, well, overall, I think it depends on how the music sounds for me, personally. Um, So meta, there's a lot of uh, more, like, aggressive sounding, um, almost the music sounds almost pessimistic um, or sad. um, And a lot of that was pulling from um, stuff that I felt pessimistic about or I felt sad or um, anxious or depressed about. And I tried to put in some little glimpses of hope, like that's not caught I can. Um, and then meta, I tried to keep it a little bit upbeat. Um, but for um, like the 111 EP, um, the music in that one is a little more, uh, it's a little more, not, not hopeful, but it's a little more imaginative. And I'm like thinking of possibilities and potential and stuff like that. Um, and so, I think for me, it's like whatever the songs, whatever the beats sound like or the melodies in my head sound like, If they, like right now I'm working on a project, everything sounds really happy. Um, it just reminds me of like 90s cartoons like Arthur, Magic School Bus. Um, and so, yeah, like reading Rainbow, like it's just it just makes me really happy. And um, So I'm probably going to be talking about stuff that I would like to happen or stuff I'm thankful for. Um, yeah. And then... UFO Tofu sounds futuristic, so I think Drew and I were kind of writing in that mindset, like thinking about life in, in terms of like eternity and the future and, and stuff like that. So I thought, that's I thought, not I thought Meta had a lot of um, melodies, and uh, the mm-hmm. album you did with Drew Beck's, you know, I thought when I first listened to it, I was like, okay, they're flexing lyrically on this one. This one, they're you know, they have subjects they want to talk about, but they're flexing their muscles on this one. So mm-hmm. I thought I thought both projects were pretty dope in it. And it, you know, from um, New Black, your solo, to this with Drew Bex, they all show different channels that you're on. That's a good way to put it, so yeah. what has kept you from signing with What's kept me from it? Um... I haven't been approached to sign any labels. I mean, someone DM me one time and they were like, we want to sign you, like, answer us now or something like that. I don't even know if I've read it. I'm bad with, like, reading messages, as I'm sure you know. Uh, I'm sure everyone knows, but I'm so sorry. Um, But I haven't been approached to sign any labels. Um, But, yeah. But, I mean, the other thing, the other thing is that... uh, I don't know how I'd feel if, if I had to give up a lot of creative control anyways. Like, not that I'm going to be approached by any witness, but if it if it came down to, like, you have to sign with us and we're going to own 90% of your masters and all the music you make, even if you produce it yourself. 
it's that would be hard um, not even from like an ownership standpoint but just from like this is my this is my blood and sweat like put into this yeah. this one little melody and this one little drum sound or um you know this random uh, sound that i made with a, a book on a guitar string or something like that and it just kind of it just kind of gets claimed by the label right. i don't know if i can deal with that so if you um since you've done both what what would you prefer um if you had if you gun your head if you had to continue your career solo or group which one would you do I have more fun working with other people. I've always loved like ensembles and um, just man. That's why I like that's why I like orchestra so much. Like I love hearing um, all the parts working together and everyone's ideas. Like I would love to, um, yeah, I would love to just like make music in a room with a bunch of people every day. Um, so yeah, I think that's. Yeah, that's more fun to me than just doing everything by yourself. But the problem with that is I also am very picky and um, very like, like, you know, it has to sound this way. And um, so that can kind of, you know, when you when you're when you're in a room with a bunch of creative people, everyone is can be like that uh, to an extent. So it would it would there have to be a balance like i have to be able to make my own stuff if someone doesn't like it i'd be like cool well i'm still gonna put it out because i still like it mm-hmm. um versus like we can't put it out because one person in the group doesn't like it um but you also you also kind of learn and bounce ideas off each other and, and learn like something that might be better than what your idea is too so yeah i i think uh I think a mix. I wouldn't want to just stay solo or or stay in a group. Kind of what I did with Drew Bex, like that's both of us technically solo artists just coming together on a project like that. Okay. That makes sense. And I think it worked out. Yeah. Um you're working under a religious umbrella. Um do you have you experienced any uh how to put this um i'm looking for the right word is it overly misogynistic in the chh world as it might be in the secular world uh i've never really been a secular artist and i've never really until 2018 so only three years now been a solo artist like a female solo artist i've always had a um, like a a male artist working with me, it feels like like heavy faith. I was working with him for a little bit, and then uh, New Origin, and uh, twenty eighteen till now, only like three years I've been solo as a female. So I haven't um, and I also you know like I said I haven't been approached by any labels or anything like that. So I haven't gone on tours and seen some of the stuff that other female artists talk about. Um, in that like that sexism thread that happened like a few years back and mm-hmm. um, i mean i've had a few things that were weird to me um happen and i don't want to jump to conclusions about why you know who said what um and why maybe i wasn't like i was overlooked but maybe like 
a male, the male artist wasn't, or, um, you know, why this person behaved this way, uh, over like, I, I, I don't, I don't, don't want to like jump to, um, this person's a sexist, a sexist because they emailed me this about me asking for a beat or something like that. Um, I've seen things that are questionable for sure. Um, and I don't know. It hasn't happened to me in a while, though. Yeah. So have uh have other females within the industry been um let's just say been I don't want to be too graphic, but have they um and then I'm not necessarily talking in a sexual manner, but have they been asked to compromise um what they limits are if you will for real i wouldn't know okay like i'm not even on the i'm like i'm no i think i'm known about but i'm not in any of the inner circles i'm not like i'm kind of on the outskirts and i'm visible enough that people know who i am like from from some of the labels and stuff like that mm-hmm. but i'm not in the conversations and like in the uh in the circles and in the group chats and all that stuff so, I guess, um, I guess that it would be, be a shame if they had, though. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. and I wouldn't I wouldn't write it off because I've like what I said like I've the stuff I have seen is questionable. Like, um, it's I'm sure it's possible. Yeah. All right, now somewhat personal question. So, how does um, being a married woman? How does your husband feel about different collaborations with other men? Uh, he's, he's used to it. He, um, he sat in the room with Drew and I while we were working on stuff and Drew's wife, Alana, was on the calls and, um, we had like a couple calls. We just got to know each other and, and talk and, um, it was sad. We tried to meet up in Virginia, um, cause Drew's wife has family down there, but the pandemic hit and flights got canceled and all that stuff. So, yeah, I mean, he's pretty, he's pretty like, easy going about it. He also doesn't really care about um, music that much. Really? So it's more like, hey, I want to buy this new plugin. Like as long as we have the money for it, he's just like, I'm like, I'm gonna use my I'm gonna use my streaming earnings that I made. He's like, oh okay. Like that's fine. But he doesn't uh yeah, he doesn't really keep up with like Christian rap or music beyond nineteen ninety nine actually. Like he's he's an old school rap. <laughs> type person so and then um when i was working with new we um we were dating but new was married and he was married to my childhood friend um so it was never there was never really anything weird or anything like that and then i got married in january um right before our last concert again so we didn't really have a lot of time in the group while both of us were married to really like see how that would work. But yeah, I mean, my husband's pretty, uh, he's pretty laid back and he trusts me. And um, he, he's even, uh, he's done vocals on a couple, or at least one of my songs, I think Space Jam on my EP, the 111 EP. He just like, I was like, go up to the mic and say the word Space Jam. That's his favorite movie. So <laughs> he said it, it was kind of goofy sounding, so I tucked it low in the mix, but it's in there. Um, but yeah, he's, He's cute. He, he'll he'll come in the room while I'm producing and like dance around and stuff like that, which lets me know, like, you know, at least at least it'll make people move. 
leave. So, so I bet he's yeah. I bet he's pumped for the new Space Jam. Oh yeah, yeah. He he hates he hates. Well, no, I mean not say that. I don't want to like I don't want to start stuff. He's a Michael Jordan fan, so he hates the idea uh, of LeBron James touching anything. Having to do, yeah, okay. he doesn't understand it. He's not going to see it. He doesn't like it. Um, it doesn't exist to him. So, yeah. But the song Space Jam, yeah, he likes that. The one I made, yeah. So he he's not out here trying to ghostwrite your lyrics for you. Oh no no no! We actually um, when we were dating, we used to go back and forth on Facebook Messenger like in a cipher, and um, he again he's like a 1990s type guy, so he his his flow is really um, not always on beat, doesn't always rhyme, but you know. There's enthusiasm with it, so kind of like a he likes like Red Red Man and Mother Man and Buster Rhymes and stuff like that. So um, he kind of just does his thing, and I do my, my my thing is music, and his thing is like working out, sports, like biking, all that stuff. So at the most, it's I'll call him into the room and say like, does this sound too you know this or whatever, and he'll say, mm-hmm. and he'll pretty much agree with whatever I say. Um, <laughs> Yes, man. So he's very, yeah, he's very supportive in that way. No, no, no. He, I, no, no. When I say something is wrong, like I say, like this drum sounds weak or something like that, he'll say, yeah, you know, it does kind of sound weak. So hopefully that is a yes, man, because he's even agreeing with my criticism. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. That's a, yeah. All right. I guess that makes sense. So what's been your greatest compliment thus far? Uh, fan, someone is maybe inspired by you, and, and, and let me make that a, a two twofold question: Have you received a compliment from somebody that kind of just blew you away that you wouldn't expect? Know your music? Um, you mean a person? Mm-hmm. Or like, like a person I wouldn't expect to compliment me? Right. Or the compliment itself. Let's 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 start out with. Who who surprised you with a compliment that maybe someone would you you wouldn't have thought listened to? Oh, Kel from Kenan and Kel. Really? He like, yeah, he like DM me on Instagram. Oh, and I think uh, I think Bizzle might have sent me a DM like a while back, and it was just like he just like keep it up, like you know. And Bizzle was like my favorite rapper when I was in college. He was my favorite Christian rapper when I was first getting into Christian rap. So that kind of blew me away. Oh. And Kel. And my husband is still blown away by Kel sending me a DM. <laughs> and he's like, maybe you can send him a message. I'm like, I'm sure he's forgotten who I am. But yeah, that that was like, that was crazy. Yeah, Bizzle was dope. Bizzle was dope. Mm-hmm. And um, now what is your greatest um, compliment? What has a fan told you as far that kind of uh blew you away um so i get i get uh i get a lot of compliments on in my dms um kind of like just one-liners like you know this is this sounds great this is fire um like keep it up stuff like that and i love i appreciate all those um kind of like just a little message like that just keeps me motivated and, and encouraged. And uh, it's nice people are hearing music from like three years ago that I made that I don't even like to listen to myself now. Like I said, I don't even listen to the Meta album because I don't like um, 
just uh, sonically some of it as much as I like my newer stuff. But um, hearing people, I know it's not. It's just that it's just that the um, I don't want to say this the the production quality um, from where I started at mm-hmm. to like UFO tofu. It's like here, it's like here and up here. And it kind of, when I listen to the stuff down here, it bothers me like, oh, why did I mix it like that? Like, why did I, like, oh, my vocals. But um, for someone that's, you know, brand new fan, they're not comparing that stuff. And, and so they're they're just, um, I'm getting off topic. But to hear somebody compliment one of my older songs um, that I didn't even like, that kind of... Uh, I mean, I have moments where I want to delete the stuff off of Spotify, wow. but I don't because I know someone might find it and enjoy it. Um, so yeah, those compliments really mean a lot to me when someone compliments an old song that I don't, that I don't really care for or like as much anymore. Um, personal um, like testimonies and stuff like that. I got one really long email um, from from someone and. Uh, it's just really moving. Um, I got a message not long ago from someone else that said that um, my All the Scars song like, was really healing for them um, and helped them get through like a bad friendship experience and stuff like that. Um, I've gotten maybe I've got maybe ten or fifteen compliments like that through just email or DM where someone actually takes time to write me a paragraph breaking down like the impact the song had on them or the project. Um, that's gotta be rewarding. Yeah, it is. It's it just makes you stop and think. Like God is God is working through words that I don't even know carry meaning. I'm just putting them together and then all of like this person just wrote like three three paragraphs about you know, how these few lines just added up to all this stuff in their life and it's like wow. Like, I didn't do that. So, yeah, I've got I've got maybe ten or fifteen of those over my whole like career of being an artist, and yeah, I, I, and it always takes you by surprise too. I mean, I, I that would that would be tremendous. Um, that you know, a piece of work um, that you put in can actually change somebody's life. Um, that's kind of the um, principle of this show. It's a it's a little left field, a little awkward, a little quirky at times. But um, my hope is that someone finds maybe something they identify with in a few of these episodes and say, okay, I can understand uh, my place and my faith in this thing I can't see. and the different ups and downs and avenues it takes to have a sustainable faith. Uh, So to know that you can put down two 16s and can change somebody's life, that's, that's tremendous. So what's, what's the, uh, what's next on the horizon for K Sade? Um, yeah, I'm just thinking about what you said about like, just being able to touch people by 
oh. your words and stuff like that. I think podcasts now too are um, a big, uh, um, like a big game changer even for the church. Just being able to get our voices heard more, mm-hmm. um, just in the media, and um, yeah, I'm, I'm glad the church is, is doing more online on YouTube on podcasts and stuff like that. Um, I think uh, for me, it's making more, um, making more, making more projects where I'm, I want to get closer to being able to say I produce like the entire project. Um, and then once I'm at that point, I'll be like, okay, I'm going to start working with other producers again. Um, but you know, it has to be a beat that I really connect with and, and not just because it's a big name producer or um, not just, you know, because it was on sale on their beat store or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm working on uh, some features right now. I'm really, I'm kind of slammed with the number of features I have to, I have to get done, but that's always fun. Um, after that, I want to be focused on this really happy sounding project that I, that I mentioned. Um, and then I, that's going to be like an EP. And then I have an album in my head that's been in my head for a few years um, that I'm already thinking about that might not be done, you know, for another year, two years, three years. But I'm all, I'm like future oriented. So I'm always thinking about what's next. Just trying to like remember what I have to get done now. And right now that's features. And uh, I think some should be coming up in the next month or so. Um, we wanted to, so that'll be fun. Okay. When it's time to preview albums, keep me in mind. Uh, we can, All right. we can uh, tease it for the people. Um, nice, thank you. That's all I got today. I uh, appreciate your time. Um, oh, but you know, what's been up with Keyshawn? I thought, I thought he <laughs> was adding something new to the game and then he disappeared. Uh, I don't know. I don't really. I don't really keep in touch with him. Oh. But, um, but uh, I thought I saw a few videos like a few years back. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not. I don't, I don't really keep up with him, so I'm not sure. But yeah, his. Uh, I actually was supposed to do a feature with him, but it never came out. So I'm gonna release that verse because it's a crazy verse. Just gotta. Uh, there you go. Just gotta find the right song for it. Yeah. Yep. All right. So well, you can find K on Twitter and Instagram at KSIDE321. Uh, go out and get her latest, latest endeavor, uh, the 2020 release with Drew Beck's UFO Tofu. And despite what she says about her solo album, check out Meta. <laughs> right, tell, tell, the people, tell the people where they can find your music again. Everywhere, Spotify, YouTube, Apple Music, which I don't have. Uh, Amazon Music, Caesar, I guess. Yeah, all the all the services. I hope. Otherwise, I'll be talking to my distributor. But definitely Spotify. Definitely Apple Music. Definitely YouTube. Cool. Thanks for your time, for your husband. Thank you for allowing me to take this time. Thanks for checking out this episode of Liberation. Subscribe to the show and follow Liberation on Twitter and Instagram at Liberation underscore. Liberation is sponsored by Doodle Bugs by Doodle. Thoughtful handmade jewelry designs inspired by love, peace, and unity. Shop Doodle Bugs at
Doodlebugs by DaVita.square.site. And for the Etsy lovers, it's Doodlebugs by DaVita.etsy.com. Use the promo code Liberation and get 10% off your order. Follow Doodlebugs on Twitter at Doodlebugs for you. That's Doodlebugs, the number four, the letter U. And Instagram, Doodlebugs by DaVita.